everyone. Welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 56, Bringing Protection into the Backcountry. Trust the Trail is sponsored by Blueberry Hosting. If you're looking for a cloud service to host your podcast, look no further than Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-R-R-Y.com. And get one free month just by listening to the Trust the Trail podcast. Just type in Trust the Trail in the promo code and you will get one free month. Or you can go to the backpacker.tv webpage on the Trust the Trail page and click the one free month banner. On this episode, we share our knowledge with the best ways to protect and store your food in the backcountry how to properly hang your food bag, and then discuss the bear canister debate. We also give you a list of all of the national parks that require a bear canister for backpacking. So to break it down, we have kind of put this podcast into five uh, discussion points because there's a lot to cover. Um, So they are why it's necessary to store your food. Then we will discuss best ways to store your food in the backcountry. Also discussing how to hang your your food bag. Go into the exciting debate on the bear canister. And then at the end, we have compiled an entire list of all the national parks requiring use of bear canisters. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's a big podcast, you guys. Let's see if we can... Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> Pull under an hour. Oh, my God. Stay, stay with us, you guys. Yeah. So um, we... You know, you know, I guess through a lot of experience and a lot of, um, you know, getting up in the morning and looking at our food bag and going, what the hell? Or where did it go? <laughs> yeah, or, or what's this hole in this bag? It wasn't here last night. Why do I not have any of my nuts in here? They are right. spewed, scattered along the floor of the forest. So uh, we, we have a great deal of knowledge on, on the subject and we wanted to share this with you guys because this is, this is really the crux of going out in the backcountry, whether you're car camping, whether you're backpacking, um, you know, it, 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 this is the crux of, you know, how to keep your food safe. Now, we're going to kind of spin this around and we're going we're gonna to come at it at a different angle so for this particular podcast and for the sake of how Ariane and I look at this topic we're going to come at it is not so much about how to keep your food safe it's not about you guys it's not about you it's not about your food it's about (laughs) it's about the wildlife and keeping them safe now I know that's a little backwards because um, you might say, well, if I don't have food, what do I, well, you know, no one's ever really starved out there, you know, on well, a camp, know, on a car camping the, trip. We so. always know the 30-30, the three thirty rule, three days without water, 30 days without food. Right, right. So <laughs> you can make it. So at there. this aspect, we're, it's not about the wildlife. It, it's about, I mean, it's not about the food. It's a, it's really about the wildlife. So um so kind of let, let's break this down first. Let's kind of define this whole this whole gig, right? So the intention among park rangers and the National Park Service, it's well, to, pretty much all the rules that govern the rules that govern, you know, how you're required to, to hold your and food. why, yeah, and why is it's to protect the wildlife, including including bears by preventing them from obtaining human food. That's it in a nutshell. You know, food and garbage. When wildlife or bears associate you with food, things go wrong in the in the entire ecosystem. And that's the one thing that we're always trying to trying to prevent. We we do not want wildlife to associate humans with food because let's face it we are not at the top of the food chain (laughs) in all matters associated with wildlife and so and we're entering into 
their backyard and we have to remember that and some animals haven't gotten smart enough to realize that they can eat us and kill us true and so they haven't really they haven't really associated that so the first and foremost thing uh that we want to kind of go at on this podcast is that we're not on top of the food chain we do not want wildlife to associate humans with food therefore we're really trying to help the wildlife more than we're trying to protect our granola bar. <laughs> My cashews. I really enjoy cashews. I know, absolutely. Out on the trail. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, if you really think about it, you know, animals so quickly associate food. I mean, you, you know, they they hunt for a living. They they have to seek their own food. It's not like they have a grocery store yeah. out in the wilderness. That's absolutely. And they're like, aisle five has my favorite foods. That's right. <laughs> in stock. But every, they've learned that. Every Wednesday. But they've learned that. Ooh, campsite 52. <laughs> now, they are rocking and rolling over there. And so, you know, they're more apt to visit I mean, and revisit and visit again. Yeah, and their sense of smell is so... Um, heightened it's so much more powerful than our own and you know they they get it like if you think about our two domestic dogs at home they go right to the fire pit right to the fire pit especially my dog she we used right to, to the fire to, i mean pit. she will beeline straight there if two domestic dogs can Have learn how to go smell. right to the fire pit they i mean i'm sure wildlife that's been out there for a while watching us all camp Going, yeah, yeah, just wait, wait an wait hour. Yeah, just give it, give it an hour. We'll be out there. You know, and and we think about it as, you know, if if a if a if a bear, if wildlife, if they begin to associate these campsites, these areas, these you know, you know, well established, you know, very populated areas with food. And they already have in some aspects. And they have. It's the humans that we're worried about. Exactly. They, their lives are at stake. And it, and it, it is that, it is that cut and dry, it is that simple. But it also definitely goes into, and, and this is a big thing for me, when we are teaching Leave No Trace to Others, it also has to do with human food is not in their dietary absolutely normalcy it's not in their routine it's going to wreak havoc on their digestive system making them much more susceptible to sickness and illness um in which they're they're not accustomed to well absolutely it, and like I, I mean like and it, i know that seems like a far stretch no not really it, but not, it's not no, it's not because you know like i'm almost positive that if i was in caveman days you know like <laughs> i would my diet would be like a regular diet right okay meat uh, grain uh, right but but <laughs> the first time i i the first time i tried cream brulee i was like Oh my Where is cream belay coming from? This is but... so good. And so like <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm sure it makes I, sense. I'm sure when like wildlife comes <laughs> across a little Debbie snack cake. Well, I was simply they're like, going to You know like I've been eating nuts and berries forever, but this little Debbie snack cake, <laughs> this is pretty good. I was actually going to very simplify I can't believe it I've been into... hunting the, the the nuts and berries for such a long time. I think that person over there's got a little Debbie snack cake. I'm going to take it from them. <laughs> and so just, that's really, it's all really about protecting the wildlife. I mean, it really like, is. Right. I mean, look, I was just going to simplify it as look at our dogs. Like when we feed them wet food or green beans or an right, egg. Out right, of right, <laughs> right, right. And you went to cream brulee. Oh, and a little Debbie snack cake. Oh my God. So good. I know. So, so for, for the sake of this podcast, the, the very first thing that, you know, and we, we've harped on this, enough in our podcast is that you have to know where you're going to go um and that that's going to be your first step on how do i store my food and how am i going to do it where what's the geography of where i'm going and that's all about your planning and preparing you all Um, know the three questions where are you going to go how long are you going to be there and in this case is weight important to you but in this case it's really going to be where am I going and how long am I going to be there? This is the, the crux questions of 
when when you're going um, out on and I don't, it doesn't make any difference if you're car camping, if you're going out backpacking for the weekend. It's where are you? Where are you? Are you in the southeast? Are you in the Pacific Northwest? Where where are you in related to animal activity? Because we're going to shoot out kind of like a different scenario where you you have to protect your food. Like, oh, my God, it's like if you had a it's almost like you want to bring like a safety deposit box with you um, <laughs> and there's no bear. And there's not one ounce of bear or mice where we're going to share with you. And um, really random you know, course. No, you almost have to bring like a safe, tonight. you know, and, I, and I, I, I'm not so sure that these, these, this wildlife couldn't be a safe cracker. Question That's how number smart three they are. Is weight important to you? Safety deposit box is not necessary in a backpacking right. trip. But, but in, but in reality, it's not always about the bear. It's not always about the bear. Well, it's interesting because when you talk about food protection um, and you talk about food bag versus food cancer, you know, bear cancer. It's always it always comes back back to the bear. It always is like Well, that's oh, the first thing people think bear, about. Bear, bear. But that's not the case. Exactly. And now it's not the case in a location that we have actually done a podcast on and something that holds very true to our hearts and I mean our navigational course, Isle Royale in the Upper Peninsula. Isle Royale National. National Park. If you do not protect your food over there and they have screened in uh they have screened in shelters. But if you do not protect your food there and there's not one bear on that island. Uh, but there are savages on that island <laughs> and they work in pairs. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But the first thing that I want, I re we really want to emphasize is plan and prepare. We cannot emphasize that the most folks, you know, it really is super important to know where you're going to go and, and what, what is the geography of, of where you're going to go and what animals are more prone into your area that may get into your into your food and why that's so important to protect them remember it's about protecting them so um there's there's a lot of different ways a lot of different ways you can protect your food from wildlife um they range in effectiveness safety availability cost the ease of use, how to get your food, weight, weight, absolutely. Um, the methods that employ should be appropriate for the area that you're going to be in. We and we're not even speaking enough. about the regulations at this point. No, 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 not at all. If if you're going to be in um, an area where there's there's not an abundant amount of wildlife and you don't have a bear issue. Um, then you know you're going to put some thought into it, but you're not going to carry. Um, you're not going to be as prepared, and you're not going to go like you're not going to you're not going to really put the armor of a food war if <laughs> if you know if you're if you're going to be in Montana, you know, or Alaska, you know, where you you got to protect your food at all costs. Not only not not only your food, but your life, perhaps, and absolutely. Uh, a bear's life so but again yeah. it's not always about the bear but we you know depending on where you go it's so about the wildlife just not the bear in particular it's a general wildlife yeah so so a lot of people ask us you know like well what's the best food bag like how do i if i'm going backpacking or i'm gonna go out in the you know in the backcountry, i'm gonna go camping what is the best way to store my food. So let's talk about storing your food first. The best way to store your food while backpacking is probably the Yursac bag. Now the Yursac bag, if you're not familiar with them, is um, it's the bags are made of Kevlar and it's the same material that they use for bulletproof vests. Um, they are almost impossible to tear. Uh, they're almost impossible to get into. And so the, the first thing that we would recommend, if you're going to be in bear country, in the bear country, there's, you know, there's, a, you know, different states monitor bears differently. Um, but specifically in the Pacific Northwest or in the Northeast, even in Florida, they've got small black bear. Um, 
is your sack. That that we it's a little heavy, and I know a lot of minimalists and a lot of lightweight backpackers might. Um, you know, might Turnip comment. This, they might comment, say, "Well, that's a little heavy," but depend, again, it's, it's it depends on where you're gonna go, right? So, um, the Eurosack, by the way, uh, are now approved for use in most national parks. So, if you if you go into a national park and you get a permit, and you know, <laughs> I can tell you guys that permits they look at those permit applications. It's not always just a random. I'm gonna pull your permit out of a jar in the lottery system. I, I promise you, they look at the application, okay? And if you're gonna bring a Eurosec bag or you know how the Eurosec bag works and a bear canister works, you're more likely to get a permit in bear country than saying, I have no idea what a bear canister is. Where can I rent one? So, or you can just pick the right number of marbles in that jar. A jar, <laughs> right? No, they. It, 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 I just think it's funny. Yeah, I mean, a, a jar. Yeah, I mean, you fax your permits in like at twelve oh one at night We've trying to get there, the first. Remember? But they, but even if you're first, they're still gonna look at that permit and read it, and they take it into account. And because... and you can make a lot of side notes on a permit about what you know. I mean, and what totally you're certified getting, in. We're and totally getting sidetracked. I know. But it's, true, but it's true because they actually look they at it. They do look at the, it. The number one thing for them is protecting the lands, protecting the wildlife. So Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to take it. So your sec bag is really the bag to, to be. And we're going to put a link on that so we can where you can get that. Um, it's, you know, again, a lot of national parks now are approving that bag. And the other thing, too, as far as carrying your food, especially in uh, areas where there's going to be a lot of wildlife. Uh, I know a lot of people on the Pacific Crest Trail definitely bring these. Is that not only do they, do they bring the Eurosack bag, but they bring the odor-proof sacks. Those are the Ope sacks. Some REIs and most of your outfitters. These are like Ziploc-style uh, um, bags that are supposedly they're odor proof so you can put a lot of food in there you they've got a uh, an incredible ziplock locking system that keeps the odor from getting out of the bag and so um, they're also waterproof they're also waterproof you can put them in your your sack bag and so now you've got the kevlar and you've got the odor proof bag in together and so a lot of pct hikers and specifically if you're going to go in the bob marshall wilderness or montana yellowstone if you walk in and ask for a permit say yeah i got a i got a your sack bag and here's my old sack bag you're probably going to be let in no problem and uh, but that's what they look for and that's really the best way to store your food no matter where you go if they do not require a bear canister that is the, the and i'm going to put two links on our podcast page where you can look at those, look at the specs, see how much they are and, and get them because those are really the best two methods to store your food. I would agree with you on that. Not to say that we've always gone that route, um, but we've also had a lot of break-ins per se. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, I think it's the, I think you can get, sometimes you can get real lazy and I, and, and I think the same, um, the, the same, uh, you know, it's like, it's not going to happen to me attitude. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's like buying that extra lock for your, for your, if, your, your door for yeah, not I mean, locking you, your car door or leave, I'm going to oh, my laptop will be fine in the back seat. For you know, just like for a minutes. second, you know? Well, it's, I mean, if you've heard our past podcast and I believe it was episode 50 or one of the ones following suit, it was you, you shared a story about how lazy you had gotten about hanging your oh, food. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and how it came back to bite you. <laughs> absolutely. So y there definitely is that element as well. Yeah, and again, you know, we and and so let's let's go back to the story about why it's not always the bear and the food storage. So oh, this is one of my favorites. So Ariane mentioned Isle Royale. So there are no bear on Isle Royale, not at all. You don't have to worry about bear at all. And so it, it, it gives you kind of a false sense of security. Like, huh, 
Well, I'm sleeping in a shelter. They have a screened-in door. The door has a spring on it. I'm, I'm completely enclosed. Why do I need to watch my food? Well, I, we can tell you why. Because at night on Isle Royale. In the evening time. Every obviously. living creature known to man. <laughs> that exists. That exists. Other on that the, island. Other than the bear. <laughs> the Comes bear. out and, in full force. And they're called foxes. Um, and the red fox is smarter. We 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 watched. We we had taken a group of people to Iroyal, and uh, it was late at night. And we were sitting on the dock, and some kayakers had come in, and they really had thought they had done the secured their secured food. the food well, in the kayak in the kayak. Right, and, and, and so you're talking about a sea kayak here. You've yeah. got. Yeah, they were in the shelter, all sleeping, <laughs> all snuggled up in their sleeping bag. And so you're pretty like you feel pretty secure with everything. Yeah, in there. my foods, my foods in a rubber seal. Yeah, and my kayak is tied to the dock. Everything is tied within. Everything, yeah, everything's tied within. Locked I feel like, up and secure as can be. We saw this. We saw this fox working like he was. MacGyver is MacGyver. the best way I, I can describe that's a great, it. <laughs> that's a, like I mean, a great, that's a great so, analogy. So Scott and I are sitting This fox did everything but pull out a pocket knife <laughs> and cut into the rope. And so. He was working the knots. So at first we were really excited On to both see the. ends of the kayak. Okay, but first of all, we were really excited to see the fox. And so Scott and I are sitting there. We're watching the stars. I mean, everything is like gorgeous. We're like enjoying life and being out in the great outdoors and here comes this fox and we're like dead silent and it's like he doesn't see us oh he sees us all right now he did he see care. us he didn't even care we were there he goes <laughs> uh i'm gonna be untying these ropes and so, i'm gonna be stealing their food if so, you guys could just sit back <laughs> and not say anything i'd really appreciate it <laughs> so so <coughs> so we said not and shy watch at all him. not one bit we sit there and watch him for a while we are so unbelievably impressed by the intelligence and the slyness and the ability that and he has. And the work has. ethic. I, oh my, <laughs> talk about work ethic. Like, hire this fox. Like, hands down, <laughs> yeah, he will yeah. be your best employer. Yeah. And at some point, we're Scott and I are like, okay, at what point do we stop him from stealing right. the stuff? Right, because we're right. so impressed that we're like, can he do it? Can at he first, do it? Yeah, at, <laughs> at first it was kind of funny, haha. But then after about 15 minutes, we realized he he's was... going to get in. <laughs> you know, like. So at some point we, we did shoo him away out of like conscious. Like we had yeah, to. Yeah, we felt obligated to, <laughs> just to, and you know. then I felt guilty. I was like, but he really worked for this. I he know. deserves it. But, right. but no, we we did scare him off and then resecure everything in this in this individual's kayak who we had not met. So I didn't know who this guy was. We secured all the ropes, but it was the most unbelievable source of time has taught this fox. That if he works at it long and hard enough, He'll get then it. he will get it. Yep. And there was a similar instance two days later. And you weren't there for that. It was my girlfriend and I. And we were sitting there. And there were there were several others. And it was dusk. It was just, just the very close of dusk. And we were sitting out by the water's edge. And this fox comes up to us. And we're like, oh my gosh, it's a fox. Like, I mean, you know, you get excited to see wildlife. Let's face it, everybody does. I mean, that's that's one of the many reasons that you're out there. Well, this, they are not shy out there. This fox came directly up to us, was within less than an arm's reach. I could have reached out and touched him if I wanted to, but why Why would you, right? Why would you want to lose a thumb why, on purpose? Why would you? And he sat there and stared us down. He sat down like a dog. And he was like, okay, I'm just going to wait for you to turn turn to the left or turn to the right or look away. I'm doing a stare contest with you and I'm going to win. And he was so confident. This, this one individual fox was so confident against five humans that he would steal our food. 
And this is what we're talking about. It's about, you know, the the, the wildlife has learned Absolutely, that they, they can have achieve learned. their results. And foxes work in pairs. They do. So, you know, the, the funny thing about it is that as you were looking at the cute little fox going, oh, oh my man, God, he was you're so not going to get out our food. We're His in a partner contest was at the picnic us. table. <laughs> Up the road, look. I mean, they work in pairs. They do. So that and that was that was one of the things that in our in all of our adventures that we've been on, and the one thing that we want to share with you guys is that it's not always the big wildlife that you or, have to be careful of. Or it's, the mice that everyone. It's the talks mice about. in the Appalachian Trail shelters. It's the marmot that is up at fourteen thousand feet in the. Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, it's I did Long's Peak. I did Long's Peak and you know when I got um when I camped at Boulderfield, there were these like lockers. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are the lockers for? Oh, they're marmot. <laughs> and so there's a, there's an a wildlife I had a I had a chipmunk up at twelve thousand feet sit on my shoe waiting for me to throw food at it. Absolutely. And so these are the, the these are the the wildlife that we're trying to protect that we're trying to say, "Hey, look, you know, we we need to do better we need to be better stewards of the outdoors." So 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 every species of wildlife doesn't associate food with humans. So the other the other thing that happens with the food bag too is that you know, if you don't get the odorless bag or if you don't get the the your sack and you're using a regular bag, um, and I get it, you know, both of those um, can be a little bit pricey if you're using a, re- a regular lined food bag. One of the things that we see a lot is that, um, you know, people will put their main food in their food bag and they'll hang their food bag. And we're going to go over that in a minute. And they'll, they'll be fine. They'll, that's great. But they leave like the lotion, and I'm not really sure why you're bringing lotion in the backcountry. But for backpack or for uh, car camping, yeah, absolutely for car camping, someone might. um, Specifically with backpacking, they'll leave like a lotion or toothpaste or or smelly items in their tent. Deodorant. Deodorant. That cracks me up. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Oh my, we should totally do one. But what? What happens is that ant- wildlife doesn't know the difference between food and the smell of deodorant. They, they have no idea. All they do is they, they smell a sweet smell. And, and of course, everything is sweet smelling now. I mean, if you use body lotion, it's lavender. And if you're, you know, I mean, it's always, yeah, like lavender doesn't grow wild in the, in the backcountry. This back is country. a really big source of debate in, in and so our household. We, we, have, we have had so many people say my tongue was chewed through or my food or, you know, whatever was, was chewed through because, you know, I left deodorant. I left, you know, lotion. You know, we had a friend of mine. Uh, real quickly, she was so adamant and not backpack and not camping near an Appalachian Trail shelter. She she was so proud of herself that she was so far away from the AT shelter that she thought she was safe. Well, she left cream in her tent. She left lo- lotion, and you know, mice. You know, yeah, they hang around. The Truth Appalachian Trail brand shelters, new brand new tent, but they hang around the Appalachian Trail shelters. But you are naive if you think that they don't have a 200 yard <laughs> radius around that shelter. I mean, let's face it. I mean, people are camping all over and they know where you've camped. They know. Again, their sense of smell their sense is of so smell. much more heightened than Absolutely. And they know what humans smell like. So they're going to track. They're like, oh, I smell a human footprint. I'm gonna just go. I'm gonna walk about a hundred yards. See what I see here. I see a yellow tent, and so they chewed through the tent, and you know she was bewildered. I'm like, well, what'd you leave in your in your tent? She goes, well, I hung my food bag. I hung everything I could. What'd you leave in your tent? Well, I did have some lotion next to me. I'm like, there you go. So, you know, always always be in practice of of anything that's smelly: toothpaste, toothbrush, lotion, suntan lotion. Anything, you know, I mean, even like, well, I sometimes I like having a little pumpkin seeds at night for a snack. No. Anything that's in your tent <laughs> is subject to uh, damage to the tent and and ultimately damage to your gear, which you don't want. 
and it's a it's just a nuisance to well and the i whole can assure thing. you that the first 20 times it doesn't happen to you that 21st time that's when it it burns you you know it's happened to us with all the years i've been backpacking i i'll never forget coming home from um i did i, I was out there for a while i came home I was just filthy dirty. I was really tired. And I, I went downstairs. I had a, like a basement door that when I was really muddy and dirty and smelly, I would just kind of go in the basement, take all my clothes off, leave the backpack, take everything out of my backpack, just let it there and jump in the shower and come back down and get later. Well, I get that. Well, the, the door didn't have a lock on it. And in fact, the door of my basement, you could just push the door open and get in there. Right. So the next day, I walk down, the door's open, the basement door's open. I'm like, oh, wow, did someone, like, the, the window, you know? No, it was raccoons. <laughs> I saw little raccoon prints on the glass. They had got into my food bag. I'm like, you know, here I am backpacking. No one's ever gotten in my food bag. I come home and raccoons. Laziness. Laziness. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to tell you. It's, it's. You know, you can get so like it's not going to happen to me. And here in my own home, right, wildlife opened up my basement door. and like, hey, let's party, man. I know my biggest worry is roaches. but True. <laughs> That's very true. You, you can go with raccoons. So let's kind of talk about, you know, the the whole reason why, like how to hang your food bag. Um, what are, What's the procedure and... And what is the best way to hang a food bag? Well, let's be honest. Um, it's going to take practice. If you have never hung a food bag before, and YouTube is a great resource to learn how to do this, um, we have a video on the Backpacker TV YouTube channel um, that, and I'll put a link on our podcast page on how to hang a bear bag. It's very simple. The process is simple. It's it's throwing the bag over the tree limb. That just takes practice. I mean, the goal is six feet away from the tree limb and about 12 feet up, um, 12 feet high. Six feet out, 12 feet high. Well, but that's not always easy to do. Well, let's face it. You are trying to you know slam dunk a ball into a basket no i know it's, it's probably hard. not gonna happen it's, on your first try yeah it's hard it takes a lot of practice folks but and you take into account there's i think there's five different methods of actually like or there, different techniques there's of five different texan techniques and methods on how to hang a food bag so pick your poison yeah and you know it's not always gonna go right the first time the the, the only thing we can say is do it at least 200 feet away from your campsite okay if possible. to if possible i it's recommended at least 200 feet and um i can tell you i mean ariana and i we we can both say this for sure if there's two things that you're going to bring with your on your backpack which are crucial and and we would say like probably duct tape is one of them it's two carabiners and a reflective 50 foot long rope. Reflective, please. Reflective is the key. <laughs> because when you hang that, you hang your, your bear rope early in the evening and you think, wow, I did a good job, man. It's approximately six feet out from the trunk and 12 feet high. Perfect. I'm perfect. But then it gets dark and you can't find your bear rope. <laughs> and you don't know which direction. And you don't know. And ask if, ask us if that's happened before. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now ask us if we ever found it again. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. really. <laughs> we, had to do, we had to search a little bit. But that's the, you know, that's the key. You want it. You always carry that with you no matter where you go. No matter where you go. PC, whether it's the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, whether you're backpacking for the weekend, it makes no difference. You carry those two things, two carabiners and 50, 50 feet of reflective uh, robe, and you're going to be fine. You can get that at REI, by the way. That's easy to get, or any, any outfit or And no matter that. what amount of research you do, never come unprepared with those items, because I can assure you that hiking numerous times in areas in which I've done our research, 
And we have found, okay, there will be a bear canister available or there will be this. It's locked. It's full. It's whatever the case. And I assure you that you will come into a situation, whether you shortchange your route that day, which is what had happened to us, you don't quite make it to your destination and you find yourself needing to camp where you didn't think you were camping. That that rope, that carabiner, it's going to come in handy for oh, you. I, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times the carabiners have saved <laughs> have saved my butt out there. I mean, honest to God, it you know, hanging a bear bag, it again, it takes practice. You're not going to get it the first time. You're really out there. And, and remember, if you're new to backpacking, remember this. You're out there to do the best you can. But your inspiration and motivation should be this. It should be trying to protect the wildlife from getting into your food at all costs. I couldn't agree more. Because in the end, if... You know, I, I know this is a cliche, but we we have witnessed this ourselves. If if you are in bear country and your motivation to hang your food is because you are in bear country, if a bear gets into your food, it's a dead bear. Now, I know that's cliche-ish. I know we've heard that a lot of times, but... But it's more true than we've, you can even imagine. And we have witnessed. We have witnessed this in the Smoky Mountains yeah. when we went on a hike and there was bear activity. And, you we know. We were with a group of. They put down the bear. Yeah, they put him down. Because it became aggressive. We were there. And it was heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. And it was something that you should never have to experience or know about or even read about. So, it really truly does boil down to protecting the wildlife. Remember, it's not about you. You can survive 30 days without food, guys. You're going to be fine until you get out. Yeah. It's about the wildlife. Yeah, and you know, you don't want to be that uh, that hiker, that camper, the backpacker. You don't want to be that person that comes across the bear that has finally been fed <laughs> 35 times from hikers you don't want to be that person and you're the one denying it the and food. you're the person that's gotta <laughs> gotta say gee mr bear you're awfully aggressive you don't want to be that person <laughs> so it's always important to tell you know those those people in front of you that i don't want to be that person so it just you know just kind of like watch that you know i guess that's the the whole scope so so we're gonna kind of kind of cross over and talk about the bear canister because the bear canister really is the crux of a lot of debate um but it's a necessary evil and so we're gonna get controversial for we, a we make it a little controversial because in my in my realm of thinking is that it's kind of like a vicious circle the bear canister would not have been introduced or even required if we have we would have done a better job not inviting wildlife into our camp. Yeah, so I think the the whole the whole canister debate. I'll be honest with you, I hate the bear canister. It's obnoxious. It's bulky. But I don't want to get a two hundred and fifty dollar fine on the John Muir Trail you have either to if I don't carry it. Completely change your the way you pack, the way you the way you function. But but that's not the point. The point is, is that does, have we as a human race walking into the, the you know, the backyard of these, of this wildlife that we're trying so hard to protect, have we single-handedly been the cause of a required bear canister? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. So bear canisters are the really the governing rule. Uh, you've got to carry them in some wilderness areas, and some even in some bureau land management areas, they're required. Um, and part of our national park trail service. I mean, that's just it's they're required. Um, they're and I, I want to say this first um, and kind of get this out of the way. If the reason why they require bear canisters 
is because there is that's not by mistake folks that they they don't come up willy-nilly and say well yeah you need to carry a bear canister in this area it's because of research and data um i have personally been backpacking before and saw a guy literally in the bushes Mm -hmm. with a radio um with a um he was a he, tracker a tracker but they're, but they're acquiring bear. the data that they need to he ensure the really, safety he was really creepy because <laughs> i didn't know he was there and i asked him like what are you doing he's hiding from he the goes bear. he goes i'm tracking bear i'm like really i go are there bear close right now he goes yeah i go how close he goes about a mile away i go interesting so <laughs> they know so when they when when they issue a bear warning, when they issue a required section of a trail that you have to have a bear canister, that is not by mistake. They they have data, and bears are very generational. So let's say mama bear, they come into camp. Someone left a cooler, a fried chicken, and in, in you know in an open cooler, thinking there's no. It's not going to be a bear around. Mama bear gets in that that cooler, bunch of fried chicken, and she's got cubs. Guess where she brings her cubs the next day? Good parenting, teaching your child where the food she's going to bring found. her cubs right next back to that campground. <laughs> and when those cubs grow up, guess where they bring their cubs? So bears are very generational. So it when once a bear, so in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, for example. They are constantly closing down campsites for good because bears have associated that camp area with food and, and they've taught their young. So it may take, um, specifically in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, it may take you know 15 to 20 years to reopen a campsite once they've closed it. So that's not that uncommon. And I've personally witnessed where um, if someone did leave chicken in the cooler and i did have a big black bear right behind me sniffing into a, a campfire looking for food and sure enough as soon as the bear came came into the campground a ranger came right through that bear is probably not with us anymore so you know the bear canister thing is really super important because that data that they they have acquired is it tells them that this is a problem bear area. You have an increased chance to have a bear encounter. And so therefore we are really trying to protect the bear at all costs. So it doesn't become aggressive towards you. It's really a win-win for everybody. Well, true. I mean, you, you're taught cause and effect at a very young age in school. I'm, I mean, I can't even rem remember how far back cause and effect has gone. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. It's cause and effect. You know, your cause has affected the wildlife. Yeah, so a lot of people ask, you know, like, well, are bear, canner bear canisters really necessary? Well, like I said, yeah, because data supports that, you know, through research. I mean, again... This doesn't happen by mistake. It's trying to negate an existing problem. Oh, absolutely. They're I mean, trying to protect really you. They're trying to the protect whole the thing bear. Is about. But if you negate the problem, if you never even had a problem, right? Well, well, I think I think of you know in my scenario where those those guys had left a a cooler full of chicken. I mean, I would have dug right into that cooler and eaten the chicken to save the bear. I mean, it, it's it's <laughs> almost like we cause that, you know, for, for, you know, and I, you know, I know everyone's out there trying to have a good time. But, you know, the thing is, is like we cause that problem ourselves by camping in the same area the same way. And they, and what do we do? We have this mentality that if we burn our trash in the fire, it. It's gonna dis dissipate. Scent. <laughs> well, we and know that's, that's not, true. not true by our domesticated <laughs> dogs running into the fire pit looking for, for food. Yeah. And so I almost lost Caldonia one time, 
because I couldn't find her because she was in a fire pit about a mile away from where I was backpacking. Yeah, that was a really fun conversation to come home to that one time. You were on vacation. I was really <laughs> like, sweating. I, I almost lost your dog. Well, week. she she went running. <laughs> she went she ran away because she knew where that fire pit was. But, um and so like if if domesticated animals for for example, and we we Ariane and I were talking about this before we started the podcast. So it takes about a minute for my dog to realize that if if I ha- if I put a box of a treats on the refrigerator and I call my dog, I get the box of treats, I open up the box, I give my dog a treat out of the box. From then on, my dog knows that every time I walk up to the refrigerator and I put my hand up on top of the refrigerator and get the box, that's feeding time. Exactly. He knows that the very first time I do that. So we're talking about generations of wildlife witnessing humans in their Being coolers, ignorant. in the fire pits, in in everything else, and they have learned pretty much humans are where the food up, is opening up a supermarket. So I I, I think we're trying location. to say is that if if. If we as a hiking community and a backpacking community and as an outdoor community complain about the bear canisters, I would say, yeah, let's do a better job out there. Single-handedly, the debate boils down to the fact that if we all practice leave no trace the way it's intended, the way it's taught, the way it's broken down to a science, if we were to follow that to a precise measure, every single one of us, over a period of time, the bear canister would not be necessary, nor would it be required. And that's the debate. Yeah, yeah. So give us your thoughts. Yeah, we would love to hear about what you guys think about the whole bear canister thing. we're in, and again on this podcast on on the podcast page, uh, episode fifty six. I'm going to link every single national park and wilderness area and BLM area that requires a bear canister. So you guys have that correct information. I'm also going to put a link on the YouTube video so you guys can watch how to properly hang a food bag. Um, and we do it the PCT style because it's really super easy to do. There, there's again, Ariane said there's about offers, five different methods, but the the crux is is the same, you know. Yeah, and it offers more. I I would say location um, driven ability to be able to hang with the PCT style. Yeah, I, I think so, because not every tree is perfect. If you watch a video on how to hang a food bag or you do research on how to hang a food bag, they always have the perfect tree. It you know, I've never, never happens I've never way. seen the perfect tree, rarely. When we the, go whole, backpacking, the whole crux is perfect. Perfect does not exist in our world. When we're backpacking, we're like, hey, let's hang a food bag. We're like, oh, God, here we there go. We go. Now, you know, the way it should be done and the way we're going to do it. And you, always give, <laughs> and you always give yourself plenty of time to do it. That's the thing. And yeah. Don't wait till dark. Because, you know, do not Lord wait. To the, we always be. hang our food. When we're in the backcountry, <laughs> when when we when we're setting up our tents, part of our setup is hanging our food back line. So we do not wait until dark and we always hang it at least 200 feet away from our camping area. And in conjunction with this whole podcast about storing food, I just kind of want to throw this out here for you guys. You know. It's very specific when you're talking about food on the trail. Now, I know this. I know people don't do this. Again, it sometimes it's a little bit of laziness. So, you know, I get it. It's raining. It's cold. You're in a shelter. You don't want to go 200 feet away from the shelter and cook when you're in the shelter. I get that. But, and, and we have cooked under the tarp you know full disclosure when it's raining outside but in if you are in a high dense wildlife area whether you know there's going to be bear there 
it's worth leaving your campsite or your shelter to cook at least 200 feet away from your campsite downwind and get that smell and get that food away you you're you're gonna be nobody wants a wildlife encounter but that's really the best practice to do really i would agree you know i mean let's just all be safe out there and enjoy the the wildlife you know I almost thought we had 50 minutes on the podcast and you extended it. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys, so, so very much for sticking with it and uh, listening to a longer than normal podcast. We truly appreciate you guys tuning in every single week to listen to what we have to say, uh, experience the journey alongside us, and to hopefully get a little bit of education along with it. Uh, we appreciate you guys more than you can even imagine. So leave us a review on iTunes. Please feel free to comment on any of our forums. Or let us, let us, let, we want to know, know about what do you think about the bear canister? Absolutely. Bring on the debate. We absolutely love to connect with you guys, our audience. I mean, you guys are our crew. Yeah, so. and if you go to our podcast page now, you can also subscribe email-wise. So if you click on the email icon, sign up, you'll get our podcast directly into your inbox, which is very cool. That's something new that I've set up with uh, Blueberry Hosting. So you get that. You don't have to go to our pages. To, boom, download right in your inbox. We're available on iTunes. We're available on Podbean. And we're available on Stitcher. So we're going to have all this information on our podcast page, episode 56. 52 minutes flat. All right, bye, you guys. Bye. Remember, <laughs> trust the trail. See you out there.